Welcome to New Life Bible Church, and thank you for joining us. Every week, listen to practical teaching of God's Word you can apply to your life as you live out your faith every day. Our vision at New Life is that you may know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. Here's this week's message from New Life Bible Church. And I was going to find it, so that's why you, I, I will never not look at the screen because I get distracted and I forget where we're at. I go, amen. Woo. I'm part of the group. Good morning, everyone. It gets situated here. Today, it's kind of a simple topic. The, uh, we're talking about bad days. I think that's, <laughs> somebody's like, yes, tell me what to do. It's a pretty simple topic, and a bad day can last 30 minutes that we make last the whole day, right? I had a bad day. Oh, you had a bad 10 minutes, or a bad few years, right? And uh, who we're going to look at for this is uh, the story in John, in chap- uh, John chapter 8. It's, about, it's called, uh, you may know it as the woman caught in adultery, which is the worst nickname you can have. We could probably all agree. The, uh, so it tells you a lot about the story without having to know about the story, and uh so we're going to look a little bit about this, and we just like to talk about it. The, the sermon is called In the Muck, and it's a, oh, gosh, dog, our team is good. That looks cool. And what I mean by in the muck is, a bad, like I said, a bad situation, and her specifically was something that uh, wasn't her fault, but was also totally her fault. So it's kind of one of those fun things we can relate to, and the thing about the muck is, uh, the bad things, it's, it's not always something that we share with people. So when we're going through something, it's not always a part of us that we're willing to share or advertise. And uh, so that's what we're talking about there. It's a little bit specific to, uh, to the individual. And uh, like I said, it's the thing that nobody sees that side of us, that part of us. When, um, when I'm driving with my family, for instance, on I-4, I don't really like driving on I-4. I had to drive there for years and years. I worked in Orlando. And when I drive my family on I-4, I look like a pretty good Christian when I'm driving. I wave. I say thank you when they let me get over. I do the speed limit. Now when I'm by myself on I-4, I don't like being on I-4. I like getting away from a group of cars as fast as possible, point A to point B. When I'm by myself, my wife doesn't know what that looks like. I drive like I just stole the Declaration of Independence. I drive like I'm late for a heart transplant for the third time. Right, so that left lane, that's for me. That's what I use, Mr. and Mrs. Slow Mix Slow Pants. Your lane is over there in the right side, right? I gotta go. Declaration of Independence. Nicholas Cage, if you saw the movie. Heart transplant. <laughs> but what we're talking about today isn't necessarily just what we do when people don't see. It's sometimes we could be in a crowd and there's things about us that people don't see. Sometimes it could be it could look like loneliness, it could look like depression. It could look like addictions, and uh, to take the step further, it could look like something that we've been dealing with as a Christian for so long, but we're too deep into it now, so who can we talk to about it, wow. right? And this, this can go from a, from a spiritual leader to a life group leader to a, a, past, a regular member of the church, not regular, but, you know, an attendee of the church, and you get so long, five, ten years, how can I even talk to somebody that I'm dealing with this? What would they say, Right, So it becomes something that uh, we'll get into, but it, it, it moves into the realm of shame, whereas it, it's not a good place to be. 
So my goal today is to talk about not so much a checklist of how do we get a bad situation, because it's not always the information, it's the revelation, yes. right? So information adds to, but revelation transforms. Yes. So we can hear about a scripture, and it could be like, oh, that's very good, or you can really hear about a scripture and really transform your life. And that's what we're after today. Whether you're in a bad situation or you know somebody or you may just be in a perfect place, that's fantastic. But a perfect place isn't a place where you stay forever. So it's good to know a few things. We want to take a look at us, where we're at, and how we kind of get out of these places, and also who God is while we're in these places. Specifically, who Jesus is to us when we're in a bad place. And when we look at Jesus, we can see God. Right? If that makes sense. All through the New Testament, Jesus would say, I only say what the Father tells me to say. I only do what the Father tells me to do. So when we look at Jesus in the New Testament, we literally get puzzle pieces where we could put together a picture of face of God. And you could take any for it. And as silly as that sounds, it's, you never outgrow it. We can take one piece of Jesus, let the children come to me. Oh, God loves children. Simple, Right? We, get, we know Jesus was smiling. If you're a kid, you're not going to run up to somebody who's not smiling, right. right? We start to get this puzzle piece of this, of this happy God who loves us and not this distorted image that the world has to offer sometimes, amen? Yeah. Oh, Father, I pray that this word sticks, dear Lord. These seeds are planted, dear Lord. I thank you for giving me, dear Lord, the, the revelation, for giving me the thoughts about this because I need this, dear Lord. I needed this and a lot of people need this because, Lord, bad days... <laughs> they're not just around. They're, they're almost promised that we're going to have bad days sometimes as individuals, as groups. I pray that seeds are planted. I pray that lives are changed, dear Lord, and revelation occurs, not just information. The transforming power of the word. Yes. Holy Spirit, I pray you move and start to reveal parts of ourselves to ourselves. Those deep parts that we don't talk about, that we don't advertise, dear Lord, reveal them to us that we may continually work on ourselves to be more like you, Jesus. Less of us and more like you. We thank you. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to read the story real quick. I have, I have, I have highlights, and it says, don't forget, and I have to read story because sometimes I'll jump into stuff and not tell you what we're talking about. John 8, 1 through 11. Now early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What do you say? This they said, testing him, they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and rolled on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. So when he continued asking him, when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman was standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are the accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. So the first thing we're going to do about this, uh, we're going to learn about this or point out, because a lot of these things are things I like to point out, we can learn from, but we got to paint a picture first. This was the worst situation possible, right? The, she was caught in the worst situation possible, and the Bible is a book of extreme situations. This is an extreme situation. 
And I say that because you ever been telling someone about your bad day and they kind of derail your bad day with a bad day they had, yeah. right? Yeah. I hate it, right? <laughs> I absolutely, if I stub my toe, it's the worst day of my life. Listen to my day before you tell me what you got going on. It's hard to top this, right? So it kind of has this broad blanket thing where, okay, this is what happened in this worst situation because we could all probably learn something from it. So it was a worst situation for a lot of reasons. Um, Several, one, physically she was exposed in a number of ways to people, right? That's already would be the worst day of my life. What's the worst nightmare you can have? You're what, doing something and you don't have clothes on. Already bad, yeah. right? Yeah. Mentally, probably broken a little bit. You know, there's too much to process. You know, when bad things are happening, you can't really, well, you know, analysis paralysis. You just kind of, <laughs> what do you do? You're, you're broken in a way. Right? Legally, she had no chance. So we're on three. You're still illegally, she had no chance because she was caught, which we won't get into that. That's kind of weird. I don't know how you get caught in the midst of adultery, but she did. And we can safely assume it's unfair legally because, uh, uh, yeah, where's the guy? The guy wasn't brought in. So we can kind of assume this whole situation was contrived by the Pharisees, which we won't put it past them because they're trying to get Jesus set up all the time, anyways. Right? And then emotionally, con affairs. So it's bad. Keep it going and going. And last, spiritually, she's thought before the spiritual leaders, and then who? Jesus. Imagine the worst day of your life, the most embarrassing thing, shameful thing you ever did, and then Jesus is right in front of you. So we can take, yeah, we can take each one of those and already see that this is a, <laughs> each one of those will be our worst day ever. But it doesn't stop there. The last thing that probably made this the worst day, and that is kind of the depth of the muck and the mud we're talking about, is uh, shame. That's where it gets tricky. Because when you're sad, you can cheer up. When you're mad, you can get some advice and you can calm down. But when you're ashamed, come on. That's the thing that causes you to hide stuff. That's what causes you to hide things from your friends, your family, your, your church Fellow churchgoers, your pastors, your spiritual leaders, I dare say even your spouse in some situations, right? And especially from God, we hide these things, which is where the enemy loves it because when you're secluded, there's only one person who can speak into that area of your life, and that's the enemy. And he's going to say what you want to hear. And although you can be here together with somebody and you, we can be together, we're together as a family, if one part of your life is separated Guess what? Now the enemy has access to that because he doesn't go after the herd together. He goes after the zebra that wanders off by itself. So it may not be you as a whole, but now this area, this shameful area, the enemy has access to. So this was a bad day in a lot of situations, but the shame, and this is where it kind of gets deeper, the muck where it gets thicker is where the shame plays in of what would people think? What would my friends think? What would my spouse think? Who knows? And this may not even be you today, and that's awesome if it is, but there are people who have bad days and are stuck in mucky situations for a day. There are some people who have been stuck in the muck for 10 years, right? This is, and listen, I would never judge, and nobody here would ever judge any, anything you got going on with your life. We love you, and we're here to love you. We're here to support you. But there are people out there, and I was one of them. This is my last drink. Years later, this is my last 
cigarette. And I, I, uh, obviously not now, but when I started, I was given my first cigarette. My dad gave me my first cigarette when I was 12. Yeah. So I was, I developed habits early, right? All the way into adult years. This is my last time. This is my, right? This is the last one. God, I'm done. If you just help me. So we can see this. A bad day can last a decade if you allow it. And if you keep the shame to yourself, there's really no limit. We're on the same page so far, right? We're on the same page of what type of bad days we're talking about. And I use the term day loosely because we're talking about something much deeper than that. So your bad day can be 30 minutes or it can be a year. It can be 10 years. It can be 20 years. It could be a whole life if you allow it to. But there's good news. Hebrews 4.15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Here's the good news about this story we're still painting. Jesus can always empathize with the worst situation possible. You know what makes this story so much uh, deeper, gives us some weight, a little extra pizzazz and glitter on it? This is, in my opinion, and I'll, and I'll always argue this, the worst thing that could really happen, one of the worst things. And there's only one person I know ever that can go through something worse than this. There's only one person who was ever exposed to everybody and spiritual leaders. Come on. There was only one person who was broken yeah. mentally and spiritually carrying their shame and other shame. Yeah. Right? There's only one person and she was looking at him. There was only one person that was going to go through that. In a sense, right. bear with me here, in a sense, but one person who was going to go through that amount of trauma exposed to the public, hung on a cross in front of your spiritual leaders, not carrying your shame, but the shame of the world. There was only one person who was going to do that, and she was looking at him. She didn't know it yet. Jesus can always empathize with our worst situation ever. Mind you, we're still just painting the picture of the story, so we didn't even get into the meat and potatoes yet. This is just, that means a good part, if you don't know what that means. Jesus can always empathize with our worst state possible. Some of the hardest trust Jesus with these things. We can trust Jesus with things, and on the worst day possible ever, we can talk to Jesus. Because if there's one person who's more suitable to listen to our problems and help us with our problems, it will be the person who was at the lowest point and conquered everything. You understand? There's a reason it's called, or not, it's called the scripture says we are more than conquerors. Jesus went through the worst day possible. Not this lady. This was the worst day. I know I kind of said it was, but Jesus actually had the worst day possible. They wrote several books about it. Jesus came to the worst day possible, conquered it all, and here we are more than conquerors. If there's one person we could trust who's suitable, because I don't want to go to somebody. Listen, if you've been married for two months, don't give me advice. I'm not paying attention, right? That's, I'm just going to warn you. That's, I'll listen. I'll smile. I'll, I'll be a good Christian. I don't know, whatever. Fill in a nice blank here. All that stuff. But, you know, I, wanna, I want that 30, 40 year mark, a couple of attempted murders, marriage on, you know what I'm saying? I want that. That's the stuff I want to hear, you know. But the money, you know, when it's financial issues, I don't want to hear about if, if every, if you made every good decision with finances, don't talk to me. I'm going to feel worse than I already did when I came to the conversation. I want to know who invested and lost and what you learned. You understand? Yes. I, I, I like, personally, I like to know those things. And I've, I've always liked surrounding myself with people who are much older than me. I could, I could listen for days. The one person who could 
say, I, I beat you in that category was a bad day. Because of that, what he conquered were more than conquerors because he beat it. So the things we struggle with, the shame, ah, oh, with this, I beat that. You're more than a conqueror. I'm lonely as this addiction. I beat that for you. I, I take it a step further. I held that shame for you. Don't take it back. That wasn't yours to hold in the first place. And here we are going back to the cross, not to give, but to take back this shame for some reason. Why do we do that, Pastor Margie? Exactly. It's wild. So now we can. St- now the picture's kind of painted. It's, it's really not a super long sermon. I know that that's how everyone always starts their sermons. But uh, I am 80% positive that's true. So we'll see what happens at 1230. <laughs> now we can start getting into some things we can point out. My favorite part about the story, one of my favorite parts is, uh, I say it all the time. I don't know why, because it's all my favorite. He didn't throw the stone. He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. This tells us three things. If you have a stone in your hand, you better not have sinned. Still one. If you meet the qualifications for step number one, you are now seen fit and deemed worthy to cast judgment. And three, Jesus was the only one deemed worthy to cast judgment. Here's the kicker. And he didn't. This is the part people miss, and this is what every, I will get revelation from the same scriptures my whole life. I don't care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was perfectly able to, allow to, legally stone her, and he didn't. We can stop her right there and say, see you next week. Yeah. But that, we, we talk about the puzzle pieces of Jesus, right? We could take bits and pieces from the gospel, and we could put together this face of God. And we see here that, how many, how much time Jesus came for two reasons, right? To show us the Father and complete the plan of salvation, yep. right? And here, showing us, the, ah, let me start over here, the sort of law. <laughs> we're going to start, we're going to start the law. We'll make our way back. The law, I can't figure out, I'll start at the beginning. We're going to start in Genesis. <laughs> the law did two things. It showed us who we are and it showed God, it showed us who God is. Yeah. Okay, so it showed us we're unworthy, it showed us God was worthy. It showed us we're unrighteous. It showed us that God was righteous. It showed us we're imperfect. It showed us God was perfect. So he, sorry. Why did I say sorry? It's a chair. <laughs> this is my whole life, just saying sorry to objects. <laughs> we get over here to the New Testament, and in one statement, one reply to it, him without sin cast the first stone. He revealed to them who they were, sinners. He revealed to them who he was, righteous. But wait, there's more. And also showed grace and mercy. So we, we're, start, we're starting to see that new garment, baby. This is a new wine coming in. You understand? This is, but wait, there's more. This isn't just you and me. This is who I am, who you are, but what I'm providing and what this is. So he didn't throw a stone, although he was perfectly able to. And to be honest, if, I don't know how much it would have changed the scripture if he did. There's some things Jesus did that was just so merciful it blows my mind because he was allowed to, and they probably, he probably could have threw a stone at her, say, don't do it again. And we would have brushed over it as, as a congregation. But he just, don't throw it. Didn't throw it. I like the old one. This one is so small because I, I can't flip it, so I'm having to put it behind it. No, because I do like this one. I'm just being dramatic. My right here. 
You know, sometimes you just got to complain and you're like, it's not a big of a deal. <laughs> That's me and my wife's number one thing. Well, at least mine. I don't know, maybe yours. I'm like, oh, I'm just being dramatic. You just catch yourself five seconds later. <laughs> yeah, first world problems. So here's something I like to point about the story. And this is why this is my favorite story. I'm going to say it's my favorite story 50 times. Don't believe me. The, um, I mean, it is like my favorite parts because it's all my favorite part from beginning to end. Why postpone the dialogue? This is one of my favorite things in the New Testament because it's the only time we see Jesus just ignore something wildly inappropriate going on right in front of him. He just draws on the ground. I know, and it's not even like it's discussed, but you ever see something in a movie, you're like, why aren't we talking about this? This is a big deal. That's how I am every time we get to the story. Like, what was he drawing? What was he drawing? Like, that's going to be one of my first questions. Yeah. What was it? And there's a lot of people, this is what we guess, and people who are super smart, you don't know anything, shut up. It's, it's, you don't know, there's no details given. And before we even get to why I think it is, this is one, one of the reasons I love it. The, uh, I got time. The, uh, so my, uh, the field I work in is called applied behavioral analysis. That's what I do for work. And in that field, I'm what, uh, called a behavioral technician, or registered behavioral technician, or registered behavioral therapist. What that means is I, in the clinic I work for, work with children who are diagnosed with autism spectrum disorder. What we do, essentially, to keep it simple, is we take these behaviors and we try to switch them out for these behaviors. So you may come into the clinic uh, nonverbal, you elope or you run away, you're aggressive, you throw tantrums, and through uh, ABA therapy, applied beha uh, behavioral analysis therapy, we're going to switch it out for a couple months or years where, okay, we switched out these with these through behavioral analysis, through switching the behaviors. It takes a pro it's a long process, of course, but it works, and there's data to show, and that's a lot of the job. It's just data, 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 data. The city behavior is coming down, and these coming up with also skills, because you want to work with their skills at the A's, because they need to be writing at a certain age and saying things at a certain age and not doing baby talk at a certain age. And the number one rule in uh, ABA is you ignore junk behavior. Let me connect dots here. So when a kid throws tantrum, oh, I want cookies, I want cookies. You're either going to say, oh, of course, baby, I'm going to give you some cookies, and that's good attention, right? Or I want cookies. You're not going to get cookies, and it's bad attention. Guess what? They're both attention. It's still attention. It's a good attention. It's a bad attention, and a lot of times for children, it's going to be the same thing. I just want access to you, right? It's called a function of behavior. I need access to this person. So one of the number one rules is if someone's doing junk behavior, you literally just ignore it. You're not going to get access. I'm not going to give you eye contact. This isn't going to work to get my attention, right? And how... How does this apply into behavioral analysis? The eventually, they calm down. Okay, when you're ready to talk, you can tap me, you can have a seat, and then we'll talk. Ah! Eventually, they're going to get, they need to sit down, and they're going to have to tap me because that's not going to work. Second, third, fourth. Eventually, they're going to get that. Ah! This isn't going to work to get your attention. I need to tap you or I need to say excuse me. Right? That's a simple example, but that's essentially what it is when it comes to tantrums. Here, Jesus literally ignored whatever foolishness they were trying to do. <laughs> they, what should we do? What should we do? Him without sin, cast the first stone. Silly. And just go, so he, he ignored him. Here's the demand. Here's the only way you're going to get my attention. You got to do this. Of course, they go away. Jesus is super smart. They're going to walk away by then. He goes back to drawing. So that really doesn't have much to do with anything. That's just something I like about the story. Now we can get back into the sermon. So, why postpone the dialogue? Two reasons. What? What did I do? Oh, I know, yeah. 
I literally have highlighter. Wait, I had to borrow your highlighter. It said, like, don't forget to say this because I just go all over the place. So why postpone? <laughs> okay, keep going. Why postpone a dialogue? Two reasons. One, it was a visual representation of the new wine. Matthew 9:16. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. And neither do people pour new wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. So we can't apply new school Jesus to old school religion. It just won't function. Right? So there's, here's the law. Right? Here's, here's the righteousness. Here's the unrighteousness. Here's the punishment. And now we have this. Here's the unrighteousness. Here's the righteousness. And here's the grace and mercy. So we see this right, oil and water thing happening. You can't mix the two. We, now we're seeing a new wine's the new garments, the new wine, and so why, why ignore them? Because they wouldn't get it. This is the new wine, and there wasn't, there wasn't an explanation yet. He, he didn't die for us since he wasn't on the cross. Of course, people get it later. So that's one reason, I think, and again, this is just my personal opinion. Do what you want with it. But I think it was a representation. Okay, I'm not going to give into this because this is the, the new wine. This is something new I got going on, so I can't even address you. It wouldn't make sense. Yeah. It's, it's like trying to explain your taxes to a three-year-old. They're not going to get it. Or explain your taxes to me. I'm not going to get it. Either way. <laughs> Whoever you get to first. In John 3.17, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So this is, and I, I keep saying new wine, but it's just to, to sum it up. This is the new, the new school, right? Yeah. I'm not here to condemn. They're not going to get that because that's not what they learned. Yeah, right. So I can't even conversate with you. Right. What else am I going to do? I guess I'll draw a smiley face or whatever he drew. I don't know. So there's why I think, one, why he postponed the dialogue. This is a very odd sermon because it's like point one, point two. Why I think this? What's my opinion on this? So don't, if you're taking notes, good luck. It's all over the place. And number two, why I think he kind of postponed it and didn't give us a conversation. He was addressing a problem. I'm getting ready to read off a lot of scriptures. Don't try to follow in your Bible. It's just going to be one after another and you're going to, you're going to hurt your finger. Your pages are going to catch on fire. You're going to flip so fast. I'm just we're kind of, I'm, I'm making a platform here. And uh, is it okay if I go down a rabbit hole for a second? I've been working. Thank you again. Everyone else has to listen. Wasted. No, no. This is still in the grassy field. I've been working on a hypothesis. And I want to run it by everyone and see. If you don't like it, that's okay. Just say amen. There we go. I like where this is going. He was addressing a problem. So they said, testing him, this is verse 6, that they might have something of which to accuse him. Matthew 16, 1, the Pharisees and Sadducees came up testing Jesus. They asked him to show them a sign from heaven. He would reply, wicked and adulterous generation, no sign to be given. So testing somebody just to see what can you do, what you got, right? Prove it. What can you do for me? Matthew 22, 35, one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, where he went on wolf to the Pharisees. It's very long and not very uh, flattering. Mark 8, 11, the Pharisees came out and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. Double, double. It said he sighed deeply. Another translation said he sighed in his spirit. I don't know what that means, but it was in the Message Bible, and it sounds dramatic. So there's your double sign in your spirit and out loud. 
to where he's, again, no, no sign will be given. John 6, 30. So they said to him, what then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Now, it's not going to be up there, but it's just, that's coming from a uh, passage in John 6, 26 through 41, where he fed the people, he gave them truth, and they wanted more food instead of truth. Okay, so we, here's, here's what I have, the stuff, here's the truth, give us more stuff. Okay, we're starting, now th these are different things, we're seeing testing, we're saying I want this, I want that, but we're, we're seeing it all kind of grouped together within the same category, show me, give me. Matthew 12, 20 through uh, 38, I won't read the story, but he heals a possessed man who was blind and mute, revealed truth and truth to them even after they accused him of evil. Then they wanted more signs instead of truth, to which he replied, wicked and adulterous generation, no sign will be given. I said all this to say this, my hypothesis. I don't think Jesus liked being tested. Call it a hunch. Can we agree on that so far? Something kind of stirred up something where this wasn't a flattering thing when someone said, what's Pastor Rick say? Gimme, gimme. My name's Jimmy. Yeah. I like that. I may, I may start using that. Whether it's to accuse or to prove he was the Messiah or wanting the bread, aside from truth he was offering, anytime someone wanted to experience Jesus free from his truth, there was a different reaction. Does that make sense? So anytime someone experienced Jesus, but not the truth part, not the face, just the hand. Requesting uh, signs, wonders, requesting things. It's, uh, we can see a lot of times it's an empty pursuit. It's not going to fill you. It's not going to transform you. It may help you, but it won't transform you. So we see when you follow Jesus wholeheartedly, right, when you follow the word, a benefit of that, we see signs, we see wonders, we see healing. Right? We see sometimes finances come when we need them. Someone you haven't seen in years gives you a 20. We call it a Pentecostal handshake. Someone gives you a handshake. There's a $20 bill on their hand. Amen. Ah, I was like, oh. <laughs> that sounds awesome. The uh, checks in the mail, right? We healing. We already said healing. We see benefits, right? There's benefits to this because we're in the truth, right? And we see something, though. We see it in the Bible and we see it in modern day where People kind of go after these things. They want the healing. They want the finances. They want this stuff aside from the truth. And here, we're filled, right? We're transformed. Here, it helps, but there's a lack of transformation because rather than having Jesus and the benefit of Jesus is to have, right, these benefits you're experiencing, you want the hand of God and yeah. expect just the benefit of a little bit of Jesus. So eventually, here's what gets complicated. This well, believe it or not, it's, it, it's, it appears to run dry because your priorities, our priorities are mixed up. So then it appears that now our God is lacking. And this is where people get into a place where, where's the provision, where's the this, where's your priorities, what are you chasing after? Now here's where it could get uncomfortable. So hang in there with me. Sometimes we think we're in the muck, we're in the dirt, we're in a bad situation because we think we relate to the woman caught in adultery that we got ourselves into, we're pulled into a bad situation. When in reality, we may be in a bad situation because we relate more to the Pharisees and the people who wanted the bread. Wow. Yeah. Ow, I know. I said the same thing. Because rather than 
Oh, true, true, truth. Show me what you can do, and then we'll see that truth. Wow. I know, I know. It's hard, and I had, I had, uh, I, you know, every time you write a message, it, you, you have to run it through your filter first, and it doesn't, and you come out, yeah, it's, it's always uncomfortable for some parts, because you have to question yourself. I said all that in that rabbit hole to get back to this. Woo! Jesus will help you out of a mucky situation more often with the word than with the miracle. And that's, which is contrary, because we believe, guess what, you can, you can pray for a check in the mail. We, I've been on the opposite of that. Lord, we, we need, literally, my, I've, I prayed, Lord, we need money. It's just that simple. We're, we're not making it. Look at that. Money appears. It's a benefit, right? You're in the truth, you're in the word, but you know, if you're not looking at what the Bible has to say about finances or marriage or this or that, and you're praying for miracles, eventually that's not going to transform you because you're away from the truth and you're seeking these miracles, which are the source and not understand we're on the same page? Everyone okay? Okay. Nobody leave? If I said anything wrong, Pastor Rick will fix it. Yeah, he's listening right now just like with a list. Next thing about this story, and uh, we're only coming, I think we got two points left. You must go first. Verse 11, she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. You go and sin no more. Wouldn't the idea be to stop sinning first? That's what we're taught. Stop sinning. Oh, I got this problem going on. What you got, right, is always that. What you got going on then? What's, what, what access are you giving the enemy? What are you doing that's uncomfortable? Or not uncomfortable. What are you doing that's putting you in this position? What are you doing? The woman caught in adultery. You got to go, Jesus said said no more. Paralyzed man who picked up his mat in Matthew 9. Jesus said, go. The blind man healed and questioned by the Pharisees in John 9. First, Jesus said, go. You need to go first and sin no more. The one with the issue of blood, your faith has made you well, go. Jesus kind of introduced this concept that to get out of a mucky situation, you got to start moving first, Right? It's hard to stop sinning if you're still in the casino. You understand? Right. Asking, seeking, knocking, all these things require some sort of movement in the faith and in the physicals, depending on your situation, that you need to go first in order to get out of something. Because sometimes just repenting into the Word, you've got to start moving to get out of the muck. Right? And we're going somewhere with this. I, I wanted to have a good plan here. I was talking to my wife yesterday, but I didn't want to lay something out. You ever seen a motivational speaker and they're like, What's some common thing? You got to achieve and dream and go. And you're like, what's that mean? How do I apply it? Right? It, it means nothing. The, uh, so I wanted to have, you know what I'm saying? The people that give you a plan, you're like, I don't know. What do you want me to achieve? Tell me, tell me how to make my life better. So it's going towards a place, hopefully, that's applicable or you can apply in a way that's beneficial to your spiritual walk. So we're almost there, I promise. So where are we going? Here's the cliche thing, but I promise it's going to make sense. Our last point, I think. Hold on, let me check. Always fall back on the word. Let me explain. John 8, 31 to 32. Then Jesus said to those who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I love, 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 love checklist. If I don't have them, I'll get lost in a grocery store. I'll get lost doing my errands. I'll get lost in anything. You could ask my wife. We have never successfully gone to a grocery store visit with me by her side. 
and I doubt it will ever happen. I like checklists for a number of reasons, and I'll tell you. Because I know you're going to ask, and I'm going to interrupt you. I'll tell you before you ask. It's hard to get lost. Right? So if you abide in my word, if you act in accordance with my word, you're my disciple. You're a Christian. You're a follower of me. Then you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So we have freedom. We have truth. To say Christian walk and we have the word. Here's the, my favorite thing about checklist. One, no matter where you get lost, I hope I don't fall off this thing. No matter where you get lost, you can just backtrack. So if we're having a trouble in our freedom and our Christian walk, there must be a problem. There's some sort of truth. If I'm, if I'm having trouble giving this thing up, if there's something I'm doing, if there's a shameful thing that's going on, I'm really having trouble breaking this habit. I'm not free from this. There's a truth that I'm struggling with. You understand? This is step by step by step. And here's the best thing about a checklist. No matter where you get lost, you can always start back at step number one. Are you with me so far? Again, let me explain. But wait, there's more. This is one of my favorite verses and what I'm about to say to you. And I mentioned a lot, but if you really, the whole Bible transforms. But there's certain verses I feel that if you really apply it, it'll transform your life, your, your marriage, your relationship with your children, your relationship with God. A handful of verses I think that will do it if you apply them in a way. You have to, and you have to be sick of wherever you're at. Because there are people who have been trying to quit something for 20 years. They just ain't sick of it yet. You know what I mean? It's hard to do like this if you got the other hand, like, yeah, bring it over here. Again, if you're in a casino, you got to get out first. Matthew 6, 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all the things will be given to you as well. Now, it's a two-step list. I've made my position on lists clear, right? Yeah, I like them. Two steps. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first his kingdom. The Message Bible says, steep your life in God reality, God initiative, and God provisions. So steep your life in godliness, in his righteousness. And is the worship, do we got a music or can the worship team come up? I forgot to ask. Probably not, right? <laughs> Unless there's something we can put on. But we're coming to an end, the last point. In step two, his righteousness, seek to learn about Jesus and seek to be like Jesus. Now, we're coming to an end here. <laughs> Ricky always gets put on the spot. There's never... <laughs> Thank God for Ricky. <laughs> There's, yeah. There's very... And just a little guitar would be nice, too. Just something, because we're coming to... Oh, you can't do it. Hey, if you've got something to play, that's... You see how prepared I am for ending messages. The, uh... There's a list, and I put it back there, and I, I was struggling on how to do it if I was going to hand it out, have the ushers or this. But I decided, you know what, I'm just going to leave it. It's back there on that table, and I'll explain what it is. And it may not be for everybody. That's why I didn't hand it out. But it's a priority list. There was a changing moment in my life, a transforming moment in my life, where I said, okay, what matters? That's, that's kind of an easy question in my family, my job. My but what, if you had to fit five or six things on a list, and that was it, right? You're on an island, pick five things, that type of thing. What would it be? And I remember I made my list, and first was God, 
and, you know, how much time I wanted to spend with God, right? Really, not like I'm, I'm doing a chore, but what's, what's the, getting up early? This, and as, as the husband of my, uh, the father, the priest of my, ho- my household, I need to be there more, right? I'm covering my family. I'm praying for my family. So how much time for God and things like that? Next was my marriage, goals for my marriage, goals as a father, for ministry, and for work. Now, you may think work becomes comes before ministry, you can put it on your list. For me, ministry, because we're all in a ministry of reconciliation. So there's, yeah. So I made this list. There's five things. And if it didn't make the list, it wasn't a part of my life. What are you going to do with your friends? That's, that's fine. If, when, when I'll hang out with friends, I can still, but I need to be here, better husband. If I'm a better husband, I'm a better father, better, better worker. These are the things I'm concentrating on the most. Right, and it's it's it was a changing point in my life, where almost the next day, right, I was seeing scripture differently. I was hearing from God in a different way. So the reason I didn't hand this out because not everyone might be in this place where they so desperately need God to do something in their life. You may be completely comfortable, and that is fantastic. But on that back table, I, I pre-filled five things, right? And if you're not married, you don't tend to be married. That's that's okay, skip it. Or if you're not married yet, you could pray for your marriage and your parents until marriage. But I put the same list with two gaps, just in case you volunteer somewhere you need to fill something in. The best way to get out of a mucky situation, a dirty situation, was the last one. We get back to the word. We need to get our priority, priorities in a way, right? We're seeking the truth. We're seeking God. I am so confident in the word. I am, I, there's nothing I believe more. There's, you can't convince me out of anything in the Bible, more than you can convince me out of my own name, right? It's so deeply rooted that if you're here today, and again, I'm not going to hand out, this is completely up to you. If you say, I want more of God, and I want to experience God in a way that I haven't yet, because you can be a Christian for 10 years and not have the revelation of Jesus Christ. You can. You can be a Christian your whole life and not truly have a revelation of who Jesus is. And like I said, information adds to you. You could quote the Bible, but revelation, that's what transforms. Understand? So as we're coming to an end, as we're praying, think about it. If you take it, you don't want to throw it away. If you're in a place where you might be in a bad situation, you may have been for a day, you may have been for 10 years, you may be holding on to some sort of shame, some sort of something that I need to start making some changes. I put a list with two blanks where you can put whatever else you want on there. If you have something you're passionate about, for me, it was nothing. I don't watch TV. I don't watch sports. I don't, I'll sit down with my wife for TV, but I'm, I'm in the Word or I'm in books. Because that's all that was going to transform me to be a better husband, a better father, a better minister, and a better worker. If that's something you think you may be interested in, there's something back there that's today's date, and there's a place you could sign. We're not going to check this in three years. It's completely up to you. Put it in your fridge, put it in your binder. And that's just something for you to say, okay, this is the priorities of my life. And if it didn't make the list, it didn't make the list. Watch God transform your life. I mean that. Watch God transform your life. And I don't mean the transformation that four years later. I mean if we seek the kingdom, if we seek its righteousness, you will see transformation. It's inevitable. It is impossible for the word to come in contact with something and it not change. Lord, we thank you for the word today. We thank you for your revelation power in our life. 
We thank you that you've been through it. You've been through the worst of days. And you conquered. You've been to the grave and you conquered. And anyone here who's going through a bad situation, I won't even ask you to raise your hand. If you're going through the muck, I pray that seeds were planted today. I pray you start the chase after God in a way that you never have before. I thank you, Lord, for everything you've done for us. Jesus Christ, everything you did on the cross was for us. That is no longer our sadness. That is no longer our depression. That is no longer our shame. That is no longer our thoughts. Those are no longer our addictions, Lord. And today, if this applies to you, we leave them at the cross, dear Lord. And we take back your righteousness. We give you all the glory, and we thank you for everything you're going to do in everyone's life. And if you're here, and you're, okay, I'm going to grab that. Share it with somebody. Share that testimony of what happens. So confident your life is going to change dramatically. We thank you, Lord. I bless everyone here, dear Lord. I pray, dear Lord, seeing that everyone is in the ministry of reconciliation, dear Lord. I pray that you help us to be more like Jesus this week, dear Lord. And then... The amount of people we meet who are unsaved, dear Lord, we pray that goes up, dear Lord. We want to be Christ-like in front of those who don't know Jesus. We want to live how the Bible wants us to live in front of those who don't know Jesus, dear Lord. We thank you. We give you all the glory. Thanks for listening to the New Life Bible Church podcast. If you're ever in the Central Florida area, consider this a standing invitation for you to join us. We would love to meet you. Services are Sundays at 1030 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If this message blessed you, imagine what it would be like in person. Keep up with everything going on at New Life on our website, orangecitychurch.com. New Life Bible Church, you will never be the same.